You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. I love Kids Weekend. It's our talent research pool. And we're watching up here for who's the, the future worship leaders and, and videographers, and, and the video was awesome. So thank you, parents, for, for letting your kids be a part of this weekend. Thank you for packing in here. Um, it's, our, our 10 o'clock is always crazy, uh, but I've got a couple announcements that I, that I need to make that you heard, in addition to what you heard on the video. Now, these are two major announcements. I mean, these are defining, pivotal announcements in the life of the ministry called the Creek Church. Okay, so you ready? Number one, next weekend is Christmas sweater weekend. I figured you'd be more excited than that. Thank you. Come on now. Um, We did a staff trip on Monday. I don't know if you saw it on Facebook Live, but we went and found our Christmas sweaters. And somebody asked me, is it ugly Christmas sweater weekend? And I looked at him and asked this question, is there a difference? <laughs> you know, I, I had to get gas last night, and I walked out of the gas station, and a guy was wearing a Christmas sweater, and I don't, uh, it looked like, I don't know, I don't know if he tried to make it or what, but I just looked at him and was like, bro, I hope you win. And he's like, thanks. It's kind of like, so just wear it to church. You don't have to wear it anywhere else. And we got prizes for each service. So we've got some uh, people walking around that are going to be watching for the best sweater. And so they'll give you a little prize. And uh, so it's going to be awesome. Next weekend, the other announcement, the second major announcement that I have to make is this. At 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, we are closing the loan to start construction on phase two of this property. So um, (laughs) that was the longest four to six weeks, right? Um, we've been in this process. Uh, our permits went to the city in June, and uh, we were waiting to close from that point, and then we had to deal with all these little hurdles that come up. So you'll start seeing some things happening on site. Um, they're going to put a job trailer up somewhere on the property. You'll see some steel show up. You'll see all this stuff start, start arriving. So uh, when you pass by, don't freak out, you know, but um, that's just uh, progress happening, baby. Uh, so we've been in this series called Classic Christmas and or Christmas Classics. And, and, and what I'm wanting to do is I'm trying to use this time to plant a seed in your mind so when you watch these Christmas movies, you'll look at those and you'll start thinking of biblical truth instead of just Buddy singing to his dad, which is probably the best scene in the movie. If you haven't seen the movie, we're going to talk about that. So spoiler alert, Buddy dies at the end. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. He doesn't die at the end. Some of y'all, I said that last night and Heather goes, you can't say that tomorrow. Um, I was like, no, I have to. It's just fun. Um, but I, I, in this series, I was really, or this, this clip, I was really praying, God, I'm, okay, what, what, what do you want me to say about this? What are we going to preach about? And I started thinking, you know, we're going to do, do along the lines of praise and worship, you know, praising our father and singing to our dad, um, because uh, I don't sing very well, and the book of Psalms tells us that we're to make a loud, joyful noise under the Lord. So I was like, okay, we'll go that way. But God really honed in on something with me, and, and it's about the revelation of the father, that, that Jesus came to reveal the father, and uh, there's some things that, that kids reveal about their parents. If you've got kids, then here it is. Your kids reveal some things about you. If you're a teacher in the room, thank you for keeping that quiet, okay? I mean, my my kids' teachers knew some stuff about us, and I'm so grateful they kept that on the DL. Um, But uh, 
So we, we reveal things about our parents, and it's, isn't it amazing what we can reveal? Like, I, I realize I'm probably not the most patient, man, and I, I don't know where I got that from. I'm not going to say either way, because my kids and parents both are in the church, so we'll just have to wait for a small group time, okay? Um, but where, where, where I feel God is leading us today is that Jesus came to reveal God the Father to us. And uh, Jesus is the, the revelation of God the Father. And, and John, if you've got your Bibles, go to 1 John. Um, and if you don't have one, we're going to have it on the screen or you can follow the smartphone. But to set that up, I'm going to read to you John, the Gospel of John chapter 1. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. But then go down to verse 14. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the, the Son is revealing the glory of the Father. John bore witness about Jesus and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who was at the Father's side. He has made him known. I want to, I want to show you a different translation of that verse 18. It's a New Living Translation. When I study, I love to study from different translations of the Bible. But the New Living says this in verse 18. No one has ever seen God but the unique one who is God himself. He is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. This whole passage is speaking about Jesus is the one who revealed God to us. He's revealing the Father. And, and, and I started really wondering, okay, God, we could teach probably till the end of, till when Jesus comes back about the ways that Jesus revealed the Father. I mean, because that was his, his function and his purpose was to reveal the Father's heart. I mean, in John chapter 14, verse 9, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus is telling the people, if you've seen me, you've seen God the Father. Um, he, I, think of, I think of John 536, when Jesus says, my works bear witness to the Father. I think of Colossians 1.15, he's the image of the invisible God. Hebrews 1.3 says he's the exact imprint of his character, of his nature. And where I was really praying about and God shared with me, this is 1 John chapter four. And this is really getting into revealing the heart of God and the heart of God towards you and I, where it says this, verse seven says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this the love of God was manif made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So there's, there's some things that, that are being revealed about, about the nature of God, about what Jesus reveals about God. And see, here's the reality. Jesus revealed God the Father to us so then we can reveal things about God to the world around us. I started praying and thinking about this. Okay, God, I know I don't always do this perfectly. I'm gonna 
Somebody's sticker. If your kid's missing their sticker at the end, see me, see me after service. Or you've got the pickup, so you're good. Um, but I started thinking, God, where have I done well in revealing you to the world around me? And where have I not done so well? The list of not so well was a lot greater than the done well. Um, because, you know, I get in traffic and, and I know I don't reveal the love of God um, the way I should. Um, some of y'all, some of y'all that way. Now, now, the problem is, is when y'all got a creek sticker on the back of your car and you're about to be the, the, the target of my frustration and I'm thinking, these are creek people, they should know better. I mean, I'm just, I'm not kidding, but I'm not, not trying to be mean. <laughs> but I, I was thinking about it and, and this story came to my mind um, about a time that I probably didn't reveal the most loving attribute of God. I'll share, I've shared this story before um, to some of you, um, but several years ago, Heather and I were on vacation with two other couples, and, and these are, uh, we were at a resort, and we were spending a week there, and it was just relaxation time, and, and we were laying by the pool, and, and I'm reading a book, and I love reading on vacation. I'm reading uh, a Christian counseling book, and I mean, so yes, some people are like, aren't you working on vacation? No, no, I can, I can catch up on a lot of reading that I've I've been waiting to do because I read so slow. So I'm laying by the pool reading this book, and there, there, there's a woman who kind of locks in on our group. And I don't know if I just have this look on my face that says, yes, I want to have a conversation with you halfway across the pool. But she locks in on, on us. She locks in on me. And, and she's, she's uh, from the Northeast, and she, she has a distinct accent. But I hear this, what are you reading? And I ignore it. Because that's what you do, right? And I, hey, hey, what are you reading? And I look, I was like, Heather, she's not talking to me. No, I mean, please, dear Jesus, she's not talking to me. And so she starts moving in the pool closer. What are you reading? And I was like, a book. I'm reading a book. Because at this point, my frustration level has gone up because I'm being interrupted and I'm being embarrassed because now everybody at the pool is staring. And it's like, you know, okay, I'm reading a, a Christian counseling book. Um, and, and I just said, I'm reading a book about Jesus. She said, about Jesus? You're a father? And I was like, yes, I'm a father. I have two beautiful daughters. They're amazing. I love them very much. And she said, no, no, you're a father. I was like, no, I'm not a father. I'm a pastor. She goes, you're a father. And so I'm just praying, dear Jesus, can this conversation be over now? I'm like, I mean, do you, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to give you subtle hints that I ha- have no desire to have a conversation with you. And I'm like, Heather's like, be nice. I was like, this is nice. (laughs) So I finally get out of this conversation. That night, the six of us are sitting in the lobby of the hotel or the resort waiting on our dinner reservation. And, you know, we're dressed up for dinner and who comes stumbling in? I mean, stumbling would be an understatement. I mean, I'm trying to give this to you as nice as I can. She was highly intoxicated. Um, Let's just, she was hammered. Okay, I don't think she knew who she was. I don't think she remembers this whole week of vacation. But she comes stumbling in the lobby wearing a denim miniskirt and a, a T-shirt that her swimsuit was still wet. It's like she'd just gotten out of the pool. I'm like, everybody's ready for dinner. So I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, and so my friends so nicely point out, hey, your friend just walked in. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, please, I know you love me. Hide me from this woman. And then all of a sudden I hear, hey, father. (laughs) 
And the other's like, this is going to be funny. So I'm sitting down, and she's coming towards me, and she's like, hey, Father, I want you to bless me. I'm like, I don't do that. I'm not blessing you. Matter of fact, internally, I'm cursing you. So she comes, and she's, she tries to sit on my lap. So I'm a ninja, okay? That's my other job. I just slide her over like this, and she lands on my friend's lap, who was also a pastor. And I was like, he's a pastor. He's a father. And she puts her arms around him. She's like, bless me, father. And, and, and then our other friend says, he's a pastor, not Santa Claus. And I'm like, God, why are you making me remember this? He said, because you didn't reveal my love too nicely to that woman. I was like, well, she was drunk. I mean, she wouldn't remember it anyway, God. I mean, can I get a pass on that one? But I started thinking, man, there's times that we reveal the love of God to the world, the world around us. And we, we don't always reveal it in a perfect way. And we don't always reveal it in a way that's transformational to somebody else. Finally, security comes and gets this woman. And I'm thinking, that's the revelation of God, the justice of God right there. Take her to jail. I'm like, get her out of here. I want a vacation. And so, so they pick on me even to this day about that. I mean, there are times we'll get together and they'll go, hey, can you bless me, Father? I'm like, no, I cannot. I cannot bless you. I'm sorry. You know, the Lord bless you. I don't. Um, but anyway, um, I, I, Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. He came to reveal the love of the Father. He came to reveal the nature of God. And the nature of God is love. And, and verse 8 in 1 John chapter 4 says, God is love. It doesn't say that he has these moments where he can reveal this perfect love. It doesn't say that sometimes that he loves us in a, in a right way. It says that his nature, his character is love. If your nature is love, then there are actions that are produced out of that nature. And God, our Father, is, a, is, is love. And that love is perfect. If you keep reading in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18, it says that his perfect love casts out fear. Most of us don't have a foundation of perfect love. We have this foundation of transactional love. That, that if you do this, I'll do this. It's really conditional love. Most of us have not experienced unconditional love in our life. We've experienced some type of conditional love, whether that's in the family you grew up in or that's in your current system and structure of love that, that you're trying to operate and navigate through. <clears throat> but we've always had this. That's the system of the world. You do this for me, I'll do this for you. You know, if, if you do this, then I'll love you. The nature of God's love is unconditional. So many people think, well, I gotta get my mess cleaned up before I can let God do anything. You know, if I can get my life together, then, then, then I'll, I'll, I'll try to do something with God or do something for God. Can I help you with something that, that we'll never get there? And God didn't set that condition on his love. He didn't say, hey, if you can get your stuff together, then I'll love you. In Romans chapter five, verse eight says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were in our mess, he died for us. It's an unconditional love. He doesn't put these hoops in front of us that said, if you do this, I'll love you. I've done research and study about the last hours of Jesus's life. And he was crucified on a cross in between two thieves. And one of the thieves was hurling insults at Jesus while they were hanging on a cross. He said, if you really are the son of God, then get us off of here. Get us out of this situation. If you are who you say you are, prove it. 
The other criminal says, you need, you need to shut your mouth. You and I are here because our crimes justify this punishment. This man has done no wrong. And he says something to Jesus. He says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus does not say that this is nowhere in any study notes, commentary, anything. Jesus said, if you can get yourself off of this cross and you can go to church or you can find a church or you can get yourself off of this cross and you go serve somebody, you can get yourself off of this cross and go make amends for the people that you wronged to get you here in the first place. When you do that, then I'll let you into my kingdom. Jesus looked at him and says, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus didn't put the hoops in front of him before he extended the grace and love. He didn't say, well, if you can get, you gotta get baptized in order to go to heaven. All of these things are hoops if we put them before grace. But after grace, they become steps of obedience. But see, because of the grace, because of the love of God that has been poured out on my life, I do wanna follow in obedience. I do wanna do these things. I do wanna serve people because I've been shown genuine, pure love. I do wanna show the world through baptism that, hey, I'm not my own anymore. I've been raised to a new life. I'm a new creation in Christ. I do wanna get involved in a church because I wanna be around people that can encourage me and strengthen me when I go through the difficult days. And then I can encourage people when they're in difficult days. See, those things before grace become hurdles of love. But after grace, they become actions that we pursue out of the love that we've been shown. And that's the nature and the character of God. And Jesus came to reveal that nature, which is love. If he revealed that the, the nature of God is love, then the focus of his love is our redemption. That love led Jesus to the cross. The redemption of our life is why Jesus came to this world. And in, in, in the Elf movie, there are things Buddy reveals about his father's heart. He's on the naughty list, by the way. That's a true spoiler, sorry. Um, and he's trying to change his father's heart. But see, we have Jesus coming to reveal the Father, not to change his Father's heart, but to change our heart. And what happens is throughout the story in the movie of Elf is he realized, the Father realizes his heart is hardened towards his son and towards Christmas, and you see some things change. There's a redemption. There's a, there's a beautiful end of the story. And see, Jesus was given for our redemption, The passage we're studying says, in this is love that God sent his only son to be the propitiation for our sins. What that word propitiation means is the atoning sacrifice that absorbs the wrath of God. That you and I are born into a system that's broken. We're born into a world that, that because of sin, that is the broken system. There is no perfect love that's revealed in the, in the world without God. And you and I need a way back to God. Even from the very beginning in the garden, when God created Adam and Eve and created them in the garden, and he said, you have dominion over this and you will rule over this and you will work and your work will be fruitful. Your work will be rewarding. It will be fulfilling. And then, and then sin enters the world. Adam and Eve, sin. And from that moment, it, the best way to explain it would be like a perfect operating system on a computer, which doesn't exist whether you're PC or Mac, I ain't trying to hear any arguments. 
They're all jacked up. That's because of sin right there. <laughs> Alt, control, delete is of the devil. Anyway, um, what was I saying? Oh, perfect operating system. And sin comes in, and that's the virus that breaks it. And you and I are just born into that. And it's broken. And it just perpetuates. It perpetuates. You and I are born into a system of love not being perfect, of love being transactional. You and I are born into a system where, where actually relationships and love is traded as a commodity, where I get what I want, so you get what you want. I'm happy, you're happy, we're happy, and we call that love. We're, we're in a cycle of selfish love instead of selfless love, and that's because the system of the world is broken because of the sin of man, and there is a need for a savior. What is beautiful about our Father is even from that moment that Adam and Eve sinned, he had already set a plan for our redemption. We're told of Jesus, he's the word. He is the imprint of God. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. He is the representation of him. He is the visible uh, representation of the invisible. And God had set in motion through Jesus to be the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Before Adam and Eve were even created, God had a plan of redemption. And Jesus is that tangible, physical hand of God reaching out to us in redemption. At the moment that Adam and Eve sinned, they, they, their eyes were open to the shame and death and God comes looking for them in the garden and they're hiding from God, which is theologically, it's the equivalent of your three-year-old going, you can't see me. I mean, isn't it funny we do that with God? I mean, we, go, we, we do something, I, I've, I still sin, we all sin, we're human, okay? Can we be honest about our sin? I mean, we're in church, let's just be honest with each other. I struggle with sin, you struggle with sin. We're all mess, okay? But there's times that, that we experience that and we start feeling the shame of our sin and we go, God, don't, don't, don't look at me. Don't see me, God. Don't see me, God. And he's like, I see you. Why are you hiding from me? And our response is the same as Adam. We're afraid and we're shameful. And they had attempted to cover themselves up with the fig leaf, and what's beautiful about the redemption that comes through the nature of love of our Father is he then begins to cover them. It says that he made skins of animals to cover them. How did he get those skins of animals? An animal had to die. There was a sacrifice that happened in the garden to cover the shame of Adam and Eve. In the Old Testament, you see these beautiful glimpses of God's hand of revelation and redemption, that, that the law was given. In John chapter one, it says the law was given through Moses. The law points us to our desperate need for redemption through a savior because none of us can live up to the righteous requirements of the law. There is none righteous, not one. We cannot do it. And at the moment in time, and the beautiful point of history when Jesus was born of a Virgin Mary, we have the physical, tangible hand of redemption of God being born into the universe. And he is all about our redemption. If the focus of his love for us is redemption, the ultimate goal of God's love is our relationship. And there's a difference in redemption and relationship. You know, they're, they're, when I talk to, when people find out I'm a pastor, you know, it's funny what, where the conversation goes. Um, sometimes it just stops because they're like, oh, have I said anything that is gonna, you know, is he not gonna bless me? <laughs> is the father not gonna bless me? Um, that's up to God to bless you. Um, 
But a lot of times the conversation is like, you know, I prayed that prayer when I was in, in, in elementary school. That's awesome. But where's the relationship? See, redemption is an event. Relationship is a life. I'm married, happily married. I love, I don't know where she's at in the room. I think she gave up her seat. Um, but we've been married. It will be 23 years in February. And we stood before our pastor, and we made a covenant before God and entered into a covenant relationship. Our marriage was an event. Now, if I would have looked at Heather after the pastor said, you may kiss your bride, and I gave her a kiss, I was like, honey, I'll see you when I need you. I'll let you know if I need anything, and that's awesome. And I can walk away saying, I'm married, I got the ring. If I, if I would have said that to Heather, I wouldn't be standing here saying I've been happily married for 23, almost 23 years. She'd have had something else to say at the altar. And she probably would have had to repent because I don't know if she could have said that at the altar because I'm like, hey, honey, you can't, you got to watch your mouth. But we can have the covenant without the relationship. It's not going to be a relationship. It's the redemption that leads us into the relationship. It's, it's John 3.16. This encapsulates John 3.16. Most quoted verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved us. God so loved me. God so loved you that he was willing to reach out in redemption with Jesus for us so that we could have relationship, this eternal life. Too many people think eternal life is a timeline. And honestly, there's a lot of people, which is, it's, it's interesting, you know, there's, there's researches and studies where even Christians are scared about an eternal life because somewhere in our mind, we formulated this idea that heaven is more of the same of this. And it's not. To even help you, eternal life isn't even a timeline. Jesus defines it relationally. In John chapter 17, is one, it's a beautiful prayer of Jesus. He's praying before his crucifixion, and he prays for himself. He prays for his disciples. He even prays for you and I, the future believers. But in John chapter 17, verse 3, he says, I want them to know eternal life, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. And they know Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is this. It's a relationship. It's a fulfilled relationship that is not on any foundation of the love that we've experienced in our life. It's not conditional love. It's not selfish love. It's built on the foundation of God our Father who is selfless, who is loving, is sacrificial in his love, is perfect in his love. There is not fear that is, is manifest in his love for us. That's eternal life. It's not sitting on a cloud plucking a harp. If that's the case, I don't know where we get that. Toilet paper commercials give us that. Don't get your theology from a TP commercial. Some big red bear going, oh, heaven is going to be sitting. I, the big red bear came in. Never mind. Never mind. I could go on a bunny trail right there. That you'd be, you'd be, never mind. Heather's not in here. I can feel her staring. She's got to be in here somewhere. Like, don't you go there. But it's eternal life that God wants for us. He wants a relationship with us. 
And he did all this because his nature is love. And Jesus came to reveal this love because what's beautiful about the love of God is it changes the end of the story. I mean, in Elf, we like that Christmas movie because Buddy finds his father. His father's a jerk to him. But ultimately, because Buddy doesn't give up on dad, there's a different ending to the story other than Buddy dying. Some of you are like, I think I've seen that movie. I don't think he dies. He doesn't die. Well, we all die sometime. But love changes the end of the story. And for you and I, where, what is the trajectory of our story? Where is our life heading? Because maybe it's the day that love needs to intersect our life. Maybe love needs to collide with your life and it needs to shatter the foundation of love that you have formulated. Where it is conditional, transactional, where love is about me. Maybe today is a day that love collides into that and shatters those foundations so that you can stand on a true foundation of love through the revelation that Jesus Christ brought us about the love of our Father who wraps his arms around us, even in our mess. God loves us in our mess, but what's beautiful about the love of God, he loves us too much to leave us there. And he draws us in with this love so that we can then let that love move through us to the world around us. Maybe the question is this, are you loving like you've been loved? The reality is most of us could say yes, but what kind of love are we loving with? Most of us are loving with the same conditional love that maybe we saw our parents love each other with that has now led you into the situation that you're in because the story's the same. And maybe you're loving your kids the way that your parents loved you where you may have been in a transactional form of love. I'll love you when you do this, child. Maybe today is the day that God's perfect love breaks that cycle in your family so that you can love the way that you were loved by a righteous and holy father. That's the challenge for you. The challenge is this. This isn't just a concept. Love is a command. Jesus told his disciples, a new command I give to you. Love one another the way I have loved you. The world will know you're my disciples. The world will know that you are in a relationship with me by how you love one another. And 1 John 3.18 tells us not to love one another just in word or deed. Not, hey, I love you. Love you, bro. Love you, bro. But show it. Show it. Because when love is our nature, it leads us to an action. It leads to redemption, which ultimately leads to a relationship. So my challenge to you is I want you to think about this this week. Whether you're in traffic, whether you're in the office, whether you're at school, whether you're at home, at the grocery, you're shopping, okay? I love this time of year, but man, my patients get tested shopping, my patients get tested before I even get in the store because that stupid line of traffic trying to even get into the store. I want you to ask yourself this. How do I love these people 
the way God has loved me. It truly is transformational. I highly suggest you try it. Let me pray for us. God, we love you and we thank you for your love. Thank you that, that your love is, is perfect, that it is unconditional, that it is sacrificial, and we thank you. We thank you, Father, that you have blessed us with your love, even in our mess, even in our brokenness. And God, I'm asking today for, for a new revelation of love in, um, in people's lives this morning because too many of us build our foundation of love based on a broken system and a broken love that we've been modeled. And I'm asking you, I'm asking your perfect love to transform us, to change us. I'm asking for your perfect love to give the courage this morning to drive out the fear that may be in someone's heart where they finally call on you and say, Jesus, I'm asking you to be my redeemer. I'm asking for that story of redemption to be written on my life. Jesus, I'm asking you to change the ending of my story. I'm asking you to make me new, to bring me into a relationship that's reconciled with God, my Father. Thank you for accepting me as I am. And I give you all of me for all of you. God, I pray that your love continue to, like your word says, to be perfected in us so that we share it beautifully, we live it beautifully, and we reflect it all for your glory. For it's in your mighty name we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at infothecreekfw.com. At